Check, check, check. Record, record, record. This is NHL fans from afar. It is a Tuesday. Only means one thing. That there is not breaking news this week. You'll be very glad to know, Jolon. Um, well, I say that and it's now 8.37. Who knows what could happen in the next hour. Um, today we're talking um, Habs, we're talking Helmets and I need another H. I didn't plan this. Hextel. Which, oh very my God. good, very good. I, and I can assure you, listener, that <laughs> she did just genuinely come up with that off the top of her head because I could see her on Zoom and she was searching. <laughs> yeah, that's how we roll on this podcast. Uh, we have more uh, exciting information to follow on another episode of NHL Fans From Afar. Patchy uh, theme tune. It's still sometimes I find it going around my head uh, when I'm doing the washing up, and I'm like, "What is that song that I'm singing?" And I realise it is our little theme tune, um, which we've used. We've had the same theme tune since we began, which is quite cool, isn't it? Yeah. So I, um, uh, you, you know, you, you take the lion's share of the work on this podcast by editing it most of the time. But last week when you were off, I, I edited it, and I realised that actually I have edited this podcast enough that I now don't need to listen to it, and I recognise that song by the waveform, and so I can actually edit it and fade it into the speech at the right point that I want to without even listening. That's how many times we've done that. Living wow. song in the beginning. See, and this is just a couple of nerds talking about the NHL. We don't even live in North America. What have you got on your jersey, uh, your T-shirt today? Is it uh, hockey-related? It's actually not, no, sorry. It's uh, NFL, which is terrible, really, considering the season's finished and uh, the team that I'm repping did terribly. But, um, but hey, you know, we're Leaf fans, so that's... that's well, who, is, who is the jersey? I can't actually see. Oh, it's the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, right, San okay. San Francisco 49ers, yeah. But, uh, but the less said about their season, the better. It's all about the Leafs this year. All about the Leafs, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, weird, weird week, actually. Obviously, I'm Claire, he's Jolon. We're both Toronto Maple Leafs fans. But this, don't worry, this is not a podcast all about the Leafs. We will get on to talk about other teams. In fact, mostly about other teams today. But let's just nip it in the bud, the fact that... Ron One day, Del- can we just do a Leafs podcast? One day, <laughs> when it's just you and me, can we just talk about the Leafs? We don't even have to like <laughs> pretend to care about the rest of the NHL. <laughs> if we get to the second round of the playoffs, we will do a whole podcast about the Toronto <laughs> Maple Leafs. I promise you that, right? I'd like I mean, to do it before to... I'm 40. <laughs> but you're only about 17, so it's exactly. fine. That's how little confidence I have in this team going to the second round. The Toronto Maple Leafs are the top of the season. I almost fell off my seat when I checked that the other day. And then I woke up the next day and I checked it again and it was still there. And I woke up the day after and it was still there. And then we blew a 5-1 lead to the Ottawa Senators, who are the crappiest team in the league. I mean, literally, Lit- not that's not even figuratively speaking. Literally, the worst team in the league. Yeah, and not so, only that, Claire. We played them three times this week. So you watch the Leafs start at the top of the NHL, playing the worst team in the entire NHL three times. You watch us plummet. plummet. I did see a couple of comments that said this will be great in the Amazon behind-the-scenes documentary. (laughs) This will be like the Disney moment where it all went wrong and then the boys gather together. But what did make me laugh, you know how, like, they do the in-between period um, interviews or you look on Twitter in between the periods to capture, like, what are the reporters saying the mood is? Because there's so few people now at the stadiums. And Chris Johnston from Sportsnet tweeted that uh, apparently Sheldon Keefe had said to a reporter that he had like an ominous feeling about this uh, lead when they were going from the second to the third period. He said Um, it was the worst feeling he's ever had about a 5-2 lead. And I was like, either you're just, your team has never been up 5-2 going into the third. Maybe it's just a a way of getting around that. Or 
oh my days, a Leafs head coach saying it's the worst he's felt about a lead. But I mean, that the great. It's not great, is it? But as typical Leafs fans, I mean, I'm actually in the process of explaining to Matt, my partner, who has never actually really been with me for a full NHL season. And he laughs at me because he's like, what are you moaning at? It's only one loss. It's a long season. You're top of the league. Get over it. And I was like, no, you need to understand. As a Leafs fan, as soon as we've lost one game and it was all going well, we're like, oh, here we go. It's exactly what we expected. Oh, my God. And, um, and he tell, was him, like, tell him to come back to it. Tell him to come back to us when he's seen the heartbreak in 2013 against Boston when we blew that lead, and then back again in 2018 and again in 2019. That's when you could, that's when you know you watch that team blow leads like they do, and you think this is it, they're always going to do this at some point, they're never going to be able to win a Stanley Cup if they play like that. Mm. And that's why it hurts. And that's why losing to the Ottawa Senators in the way that we did after losing to the Canadiens at the weekend in not as major blow because it was only one goal, but still so frustrating because you think it could have been like 10 points clear. The Habs don't play all this week. If we'd have beaten Ottawa three times, plus the Habs on Saturday, that's it. The league would have been done. We'd have finished. We could have kicked back for the rest of the year. Anyway, um, you know, yeah, anyway, not about Leafs. Anyway. This isn't about the Leafs. Let's talk about some other things. Mostly, actually, you know, I just seen uh, this afternoon NHL tweeted um, any of the teams that have missed a game uh, postponed because of COVID protocol, they've been rescheduled. Big cancellation that's happened this week was um, the shocking one between uh, was it Nashville and Dallas. Mm. Um, yeah. Was it not one, but two games were cancelled because of a winter storm? Yeah, so I don't know if they've... Um, presumably they're cancelled tonight because I think they were playing back-to-back. Um, I think so, yeah. But they very last minute um, cancelled the game last night because there was this kind of crazy winter storm that hit um, Dallas and the surrounding area. And uh, I know I sent you an article. It was an article in The Independent about it, but Matt Day uh, of this parish sent me earlier on. And yeah, there was this kind of like 100 car pile up in this kind of storm and people were stuck in their cars for, you know, literally hours in, in sub degree temperatures. And, um, and a lot of the, the, the state was having power cuts and people were being told to conserve power and not use anything. And, and I, I read a couple of things on Twitter today kind of on, in delay and there was, there was quite a few comments about the... <laughs> About the hockey game going ahead at that point and it was a bit like hang on a minute I'm not allowed to switch my kettle on or turn the lights on and yet we're gonna have an NHL game where I'm pretty sure they're gonna use quite a lot of power and mm-hmm. um, so there's a bit of a juxtaposition um, and I, who knows but I imagine that was probably one of the reasons why the uh, the NHL or the Dallas Stars decided that maybe maybe it's not quite the right time to switch on those very big bright white lights. Mm. Um, and it must be such game. a shame as well because Dallas and Nashville, both teams have had so many games cancelled already. Yeah. It's funny, it, isn't it? Because you look at that and you just think, oh, I don't know about you, but I just saw I saw Dallas-Nashville game called off. I was like, well, COVID. <laughs> like, you know, those, those teams have been so badly affected by it. Well, I looked up, um, and I don't know if this is, this is uh, accurate as of tonight or perhaps yesterday, um, but Kevin Kurtz of The Athletic, um, wrote a really interesting article about um, the vaccine and NHL. Um, mm. And he'd said that 35 games have been cancelled and rescheduled uh, because of COVID. Uh, nearly every team in the East, Central and West divisions has seen its schedule altered. Um, yeah. It's really strange because obviously we're following the Canadian division and it's yeah. business as usual, like kind of ploughing on really. Um, but he was talking about um, the timeline of when vaccines might come available to teams. Canada's um, got a bit of an issue at the moment that they've been really slow in getting out the vaccines. They've been hugely criticised and America's slightly ahead, but it depends where you live, depends yeah. what your health situation is. Um, and obviously, most of these guys are quite young and fit. So you'd think that they'd be nearer the, the end of the rollout. Um, I think there was one particular um, line in the article where um, there was a, the president of the Mayo Clinic Laboratories in, in Rochester was talking about how he thought that that timeline could be the end of March for most players. 
But if it ends up coming later, you kind of think like, where does that work with the playoffs as well? Because for some people, they can be ill for a few days or a few weeks after mm-hmm. the vaccine, particularly yeah. after the second dose. So you don't really want to be rolling out the vaccine like too close to the playoffs. But also we're seeing now because of so many cancellations that that kind of buffer that the NHL had on offer, it's not really going to be oh, much of a buffer anymore. It's gone. It was like 10 day buffer. You've got yeah. teams who've been off for like New Jersey and Buffalo and teams like that have been off for way longer than that. Mm. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting because I, I have heard quite a lot of talk and I can't remember if it was last week or the week before we talked about it, but I've heard quite a bit of, of talk about saying they'll they'll end up doing this season on points percentage. Like There will be games that won't get played in those other divisions because they'll run out of time. And I, I'm pretty sure... Yeah, well, it certainly feels like it anyway. It certainly feels like there's a real push to get this season finished within the time frame that they've set so that they can get back on track next year. I think a lot of pro sports, you know, I know the NFL and, and the NHL and, and leagues like that are really thinking that, you know, by October or September, October, we things should be back to as close to normal as we're going to get for a good few years. And so I think there's a real urgency to make sure that they get this season done and it doesn't do like it did last year and drag on and affect season after season. And I think with with the vaccine and with all of that kind of stuff that they're doing, it it does feel like you're probably going to get to a point where the Canadian division will finish, although, as you say, interesting to see whether the vaccine will change that. But the Canadian division will probably finish all of its games played those American divisions might end up going on points percentage, which will just make it even more intense for those teams now because they're going to think, you've got to win now because you might not get those games. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. I mean, the um, Buffalo Sabres had a number of players and their coach, Ralph mm-hmm. Kruger, out because of COVID. And um, I saw a tweet uh, where someone had quoted Kruger, which said... Uh, he kind of described his symptoms as moderately severe. Um, he'd had aches and fatigue for more than a week. And he, he kind of had been saying it really made him realise how lethal COVID was and had been scarred by the experience. I don't actually know whether he's back. This was a couple of days ago. This was over the weekend and he still hadn't he returned is. to coaching. Um but yeah, and, and it was weird because his wife had had multiple negative tests, whereas he was positive and really struggled with it. So, I mean, it's it's very interesting kind of just hearing people talk about it. There's less of a stigma, I think. There's more players coming or coaches coming out and talking about it, which I think is important. So it, it's not kind of like they're not the bad guys if you've got it. We're living yeah. in this, this situation. Like, this is what it is, right? Remember, people need to take I- it seriously. It's funny you should mention that because I I thought back to that over um, about a week or so ago. And um, do you remember when Austin Matthews got it? Mm. It was right back at the beginning. And um, Steve Simmons, I think his name is, uh, who reported it for one of the Toronto newspapers at the time uh, because he got some information that he had it and he ran the story as an exclusive. And the reaction was incredible from that. And, you know, from, from Austin Matthews, I remember him speaking out in a press conference afterwards saying that, you know, he had, he had nothing to say to the guy and all this kind of stuff. And he felt that it was a real breach of his privacy and, you know, it's a kind of a medical condition and, you know, you don't talk about details of that and and all of this kind of stuff. And you think, wow, like how <laughs> how much we've moved on from, from having coronavirus as being this thing that kind of people don't talk about and you're a bit ashamed of and all this kind of stuff. And now as long as you've kind of been sensible and done as much as you can, you know you've done as much as you can, then really, if you get it still, then, yeah, it's just bad luck. I mean, how many millions of people across the planet have had it? Like, yeah. The ones that tested positive for it. It is interesting how it has changed in sports. And yet there were crowds in the cricket in India with England and, oh, and India. It's, it's bonkers. Well, there's crowds in the NHL. There's oh, and, crowds. Uh, They've been outside announcing that some teams in America are going to start bringing fans back to the arena. As we heard, there are three teams that have had fans and have Mm -hmm. been having fans. So it's such a great, it's almost like we're all living on different planets. But anyway, let's talk about some good news, okay? One which we hope will go ahead because 
Philadelphia Flyers have had a few games cancelled because of COVID, but the outdoor NHL outdoor games are happening this weekend. Yeah. And just watching like the time lapses, I mean, when we kind of connected on Zoom, I was like trapped in like this endless advert slash time lapse because I, I watched it three times. I was like, that looks insane. Like, so this weekend, Saturday, you've got Colorado Avalanche and Vegas Golden Knights. Um, yeah. Both are like cup contenders, which I think will be really great to see these guys um, in such a great setting. And then mm. Boston Bruins and Philadelphia Flyers on Sunday. They're super friendly times for the UK because they're both eight o'clock. In fact, I have a mate who's a Philadelphia Flyers fan and it's his birthday. Like, oh. could you get a better scenario? Super. But he said he sent me a text the other day saying... I'm not really sure how I feel. I'm just praying that COVID doesn't F with my birthday or something like oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought that he meant in real life, but no, he was actually talking about <laughs> his hockey life. Um, I totally, I was like, oh my God, man, I hope you're okay. Oh God, it must be awful. Uh, and uh, I didn't no, realize- I'm just worried about Carter Hart. Totally, yeah. But I think um, just watching, I mean, like some of the stories that are coming around this, it really gives a nod to like a lot of these young kids who when they were growing up as Canadians they were playing like pond hockey and ah, it's just it's gonna be so good how they put it together in like the middle of nowhere in Nevada there was no infrastructure and they've pieced it all together like this is is potentially a you know a once in a lifetime thing that we're gonna see or is it well because you couldn't you couldn't have fans and, you know, they need fans to make these things make money most of the time. And so, you know, I can't I can't see how NHL games are going to be played on a, you know, on the side of a lake on a golf course with no spectators ever again. Like you might have exhibition games, or you might have friendly games, but these games are massively important. These are so huge for all four teams involved. And you think this is going to be a spectacle that I don't, I can't imagine ever happening again because of the scenario that we're in. So fair play to the NHL for making this happen, well, fingers crossed, making this happen, because if they pull it off, then, you know, it is something really special. And yeah, for, for UK fans, so the, the Saturday game is on free sports for, for UK fans. So that's really cool. So that's literally free to anyone with like digital TV, pretty much. Um, if you can get hold of free sports, you can watch that game on Saturday. And then the Sunday game, the Philadelphia-Boston games on BT Sport. I can't remember which channel, but it's on one of those uh, BT Sport channels. So I just think it's going to be such a cool spectacle, like seeing hockey played outside, and um, which reminded me, on a sorry, on a little tangent, but um, uh, an ex-colleague of mine who I used to work with, um, he's, uh, so he's very involved in the ice hockey scene up in Sheffield, I think it is. Um, and his son plays... Um, hockey um, in this country and obviously no basically rinks haven't been open and if they have been open there's certainly not been any ice hockey taking place in this country since the beginning of the pandemic and uh, it's been really difficult because even professional ice skaters in this country and, and guys who are playing for you know in the, in the British Elite League like can't even get on the ice to practice let alone play and um, there was this lovely moment when we had that cold snap the other day uh, where this guy and his son managed to find a farmer's field, which had frozen. And uh, there was this kind of layer of water and they kind of got in touch with the farmer and said, look, which, would it be OK if we came on and had a bit of a skate? Because it was this huge sheet of ice on this very flat field. And so he was posting all these pictures of his kids like, on skates in his hockey gear, like skating around. And he was saying like, this is the first time that this kid has been able to put on his skates since like February, like yeah. pre- like a year ago. <laughs> and I was just so insanely jealous, but amazing opportunity for the few kids that managed to get to this farmer's field where there's this sheet of ice. And uh, it will be spectacular to see that kind of outdoor setting um, in an NHL arena. And uh, yeah, can't wait. I've, I've, but I'm off work this weekend at 8pm games. I'm probably not going to watch the Leafs game, which will ruin my mood from the Saturday night. I'm just going to enjoy these games and watch them as a neutral. Yeah. You know, you make a good point there. Like, uh, I know that the, the young... Because, you, you know, even like the AHL, that season was yeah. was just taken apart. So all yeah. the, the, the leagues below, all the youth teams that haven't played, 
And it's so crucial, I think, for like youngsters to, in order for them to get the speed, the, the skating speed, mm. they need to be doing loads when they're young. It's yeah. not really something you can catch up with when you're a bit older. I wonder whether a lot of the British players um, or the players who normally play in the UK actually went over to Europe to play. Some did. Maybe. Some did. But it's Probably know some of the NHL guys did as well, didn't we? But yeah, yeah, but it's quite you know it's quite it, it's challenging for them because the you know it's different for the NHL guys. Because if you're an NHL player, you can play any, in any league you want. Like you mm. can you know you can be a you can be a, a B league NHL player and you can play in any league you want. However, if you're playing in this country, it's it's still going to be really hard to to get into a team even in Europe because the leagues are you know so much more competitive. But it's been a really tough year for the sport and in this country particularly. Um, and hopefully it'll bounce back um, next year and there could be a little bit more of a normal season. I'm looking forward to going to my first Cardiff Devils game. I've been living in Cardiff for over a year now and I've still not been to a Devils game. It's ridiculous. It's a, it's a, it's a brilliant arena. You have zero, zero uh, internet signal. So oh, really? <laughs> define a clear meeting place before and after the game. When you go in, there is no... It's, in, it's like going to an air raid shelter. So you cannot tweet. I remember like trying to tweet when I would go there to watch Manchester Storm games. And actually, I think I went when I was working in Cardiff about a year ago. Uh, no, it must be more than a year, two years ago. One a year, one a year ago. <laughs> Who knows? Last year's a write-off. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's an awesome place. It's a really good setup, actually. And even like down to the, the TV um, crew that they have there and the podcasts that they do mm. there's a there's a re, it's a really good camaraderie about Cardiff Devils so I, and they've they finally got some silverware because there were many years probably about yeah. 20 years where they didn't so but yeah. and some interesting I, players that come across you know at the yeah, end of their was, NHL career and obviously it was the home of Ben Bounds for a while before he went to Europe and uh, you know whether he comes back or not but yeah I've played so I played a bit of like rec hockey at the at the rink and on the arena uh, ice and it was yeah it's really cool but I can't wait to go and see an actual game just because I've heard that like the crowd there <laughs> can you remember a crowd but anyway a crowd there um, they sing the anthem one of the things that they do do in the UK is they sing the anthem before the games but obviously yeah. it depends where you are whether you're in Scotland Northern Ireland England or Wales it's different it's not just you know America and Canada and whenever yeah. you would have the Welsh fans in an English ice hockey stadium, when their Welsh anthem came on, everybody, no matter whether there were five away fans or there were 500 <laughs> away fans, would sing their heart out. So they yeah. know well to have a good sing song to the Welsh. They do. Go, oh, bring it on. Bring it on. Right. Anyway, Coming up, I, I'm going to um, go, I'm gonna give you a couple of uh, quiz questions i wonder whether you know the answers they're to do with the canadian thing to do with canucks and habs um okay. we're also going to talk golden Who's helmets worse? no sorry obviously, <laughs> obviously it's the canucks <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're also talking golden helmets and we're talking about oh. a warm-up standoff uh but i just want to kind of like run through some of the things to note um washington capitals have lost four in a row did you know that? they have haven't they Carolina Hurricanes have won three in a row and are up there. Carolina Hurricanes, Toronto Maple Leafs, Vegas Golden Knights and Boston have been put up as cup contenders this year alongside the favourites are Tampa Bay Lightning and Colorado Avalanche. Tampa, no great surprises. Was quite surprised about Carolina Hurricane. Um, I forget the name of their goalie now, Alexei... Uh, I forgot his name. Carolina. Carolina's goalie. I was looking Not on James NHL Reiner. stats. No. Looking at this. Alexa, Alexa um, Mel, Melnichuk. Melnichuk. I'm saying it wrong again. God, I've literally never heard of this guy. Unless I haven't checked how many games he's played, right? But he is currently right. in the lead on the goalies of NHL stats right now. It might be because he's basically played one game and won one. <laughs> I know they <laughs> are. I know they've had goalie injuries because um, Peter Morazic is a, is a hurricane. I think he's been out and James you know Ryder has been injured. Do you know what? That's absolute, that's absolute bollocks. And we never edit this podcast, but if I could, I would edit that. What am I even on about? Alexei plays for San Jose Sharks and he's at the I top. I was going to say... 
I was thinking that, I was, but, as, as you were saying that, I was going, that's interesting because I literally, with doing <laughs> fantasy hockey, I literally search the goaltending market every day because you have to do it for fantasy hockey. And I was yeah. like, this guy, who? Claire has come up with a right <laughs> one here. But I didn't, hadn't yeah, heard of him either, right? I hadn't heard of him, but he's at the top. Um, Excellent. Peter, Peter Morazic is second, um, just mm. so you know. That's why... I guess Hurricanes are doing pretty well. Sharks. I am actually, aware of his work. Sharks are obviously kind of on the way back. They've had their first home win, which was over the Ducks after they were homeless for so many weeks. And now this goalie, yeah. who we've never heard of, um, seems to be at the top of the NHL stats for goalies. So I mean, when you say, Claire, when you say they're on the way back, I mean, they're above Minnesota and LA. I mean, okay, they're not Ottawa, but... <laughs> they're well done for just killing any kind of optimistic vibe that Sorry. any of the San Jose Sharks fans <laughs> would have had right then. I don't know. Maybe it's my least fans bias, but I don't think there's any optimistic San Jose Sharks fans. I think they are pretty miserable right now. If uh, you would like please to Please correct me if I'm wrong. But... Please email jolon at youcankillhimnow.com. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was code I saying? UK, actually. Thanks. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, um, old school. So what I was um, looking at was just like how many games have gone to shootouts? Because, like I said a couple of weeks mm. ago, like the weekend uh, before last, so, like nearly all the games went to overtime. Um, and actually, I was looking at who's done the most shootouts. Interestingly, um, San Jose Sharks have had five games go to shootouts. And more interestingly, they've won four of them. I was like, what, really? Um, that's the most in the league. Hurricanes and uh, Pittsburgh Penguins have that, also hang on, hang on, that, hang on, that, three so that, Sorry, it feels like I'm really picking on the San Jose Sharks now, but that means they've only actually won two games of hockey this year and they've won four games of shootout. Like, <laughs> this is, uh, they've, got, they've won six games this year and only two of them are actually games of hockey. The rest of them are just this... Fun, fun little game they play at the end. Oh my God, Jolon! Poor Sharks fans. This is terrible. Look, there's two points. It might be an ugly two points, but they're getting two points. Like, give it to them. All right, okay. I do right. wonder whether there's something about the overtime thing this year because of the because all the teams are playing interdivision level games. That's the sentence. And um, they're all playing those games. The points really do mean something. So, like, the Leafs lost to Ottawa last night. I don't know if you heard. But You've said this on every single podcast that we've recorded. Do you know that? I, I think it's an important point, and I'm going to keep reiterating it. I think you and Matt, actually, when, when I said it, you both said, oh, really good point. And I thought, oh, that was nice. I think that's the best point. I'm going to make that. it So now I'm just going to repeat it every single right, time. Okay, thanks. But what I was going to make, I was moving the point on ever so slightly. Okay. And because of that fact, I do wonder where the teams get to the end of the game and are more worried about not losing than going for the win because the points stay in the division. So even though the Leafs lost to Ottawa last night, they still do get a point, which is not the end of the world. And it always makes sure that those points, uh, you're, you're building those points within your own division. I don't know. It might be anecdotal, but I just wonder whether teams at the end of the game, at the end of regulation time, do subconsciously think, I, don't, I really don't want to lose this in regulation because then we get nothing because points mean so much this year. Who knows? Maybe you think more of that when you're, you're scrapping about at the bottom of your division or maybe in the middle yeah. of the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, where the Leafs are. I mean, it's, it's a short, done thing. We've won the division. So, you know, it's um, fine. fine. So, the other big news, which you talked about last week, uh, was Pittsburgh Penguins. Kind of get into some of the reaction of that in a second. Just talking about milestones, again, I was like looking on what kind of records, NHL records, are we teetering on this week? What kind of stats are out there? Lou Lamorello um, has, will ha, he got 1,300 NHL wins last week, age 78. And I say that because New York Islanders are playing Pittsburgh Penguins later this week, mm. and that will be Crosby, Sydney Crosby's 1,000th game. Uh, which wow. is coming up this Thursday. This guy has, in 997 games, had 1,275 points, 467 goals, 808 assists. I mean, boom, right? 
So I was like, okay, right. So uh, New York Islanders, Pittsburgh Penguins, which reminds me about the whole Shazam. So as you did the podcast, which I thought you guys, like you handled it so well last week about kind of reacting to it. And I loved like James was talking a bit about the history of Ron Hextel, um, which more stuff has kind of come out. I mean, I'm fascinated about that. James mentioned about, you know, the new GM for Pittsburgh Penguins, Ron Hextel, his background as a goalie, his connection to Pittsburgh Penguins, where his dad was a player. I didn't realise that Jim Rutherford was actually a Pittsburgh Penguins goalie. Um, so they, they're all so connected. But Mario Lemieux, the co-owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously was also... Um, a player at the same time when Ron Hextall was a player. And actually, um, I heard on the interview on Hockey Central, um, probably two or three days after the news came out, and Ron Hextall said that during his interview with Mario, Mario reminded him that he lost not one, not two, not three, but four of his teeth because of a follow-through that happened on the ice. Uh, by Ron Hextel and uh, Ron Hextel didn't remember that moment um, awkward little moment in an interview isn't it when your future boss might kind of mention yeah you took out four of my teeth once and again it's not the best uh, reception and then apparently Brian Burke got this job president of hockey operations because um, at the time when they were going through the interview stage for the GM one of the staff at Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, Dave, someone, I, I've forgotten his name. People will scream it to me, I'm sure. But he, they were contacting Brian and, and asking him, you know, what about this? What about that? And then they were going back to Mario Lemieux. And Mario turned around and said, wait, what, what are we doing? Why don't we just hire Brian? Let's just get the guy who's got all the information and pay him and he can be with us. And apparently that decision came after Ron Hextall was hired. Yeah. And um, then we were also like kind of, I think you guys touched on it about, well, what does a GM do that's different to a president of hockey operations? And Brian Burke, obviously like a, an absolute veteran. He's done every mm. job in this league really, hasn't he? Yeah. He was talking about a relationship he had when he was at the Calgary Flames of a similar nature. And he was GM and they set it out as kind of like business partners, really. Like, you know, yeah. you wouldn't just turn up and say, right, Jolan, I'm not doing the I'm not doing the podcast for two weeks. You're doing it now. See you later. Like they would yeah. kind of discuss like this is the situation. How do you want to handle it? Um, on, on that example, I thought it was really interesting how they said it, because it was some, it was something like, um, you know, will Ron Hextile have the power to decide whether to trade Crosby or whether to trade, you know, Malkin and something like, like that, or will you have a veto on it? And he was saying, you know, and it's very interesting kind of insight into management style. And he was saying, well, no, well, uh, my my intention is that the relationship we'll have and the way that we work is that we'll never get to the point where I would need to veto something that he's doing because we'll know about it two weeks before it's an issue or a month before it's an issue because we'll be talking about it and on that same page. And I think... One of the things that came out, and we didn't, you know, have time to react to it uh, last week, but one of the things that's come out as a real positive for Pittsburgh is that because they now find out that Brian Burke was kind of, you know, was selecting Ron Hextile before, and now he's come into that role as well, it's not like you're going to, I'm sure you will have a clash of personalities at time, it's healthy, but, you know, those two have obviously got, you know, <laughs> Brian Burke knows or once Ron Hexon thinks that he's the right person for that job, and now he's coming to that job as well. And so you would imagine those two should be able to work pretty well together and should be in line with how how they kind of, you know, they see how the, the next few years are going to go. Mm, I do. I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's exactly what you guys touched on, that there's very little that they can do this year. They're capped up. They have given away all their draft picks. And there isn't really the pressure to kind of go in and blow it all up and do this crazy 
rebuild. And I think even Brian Burke was talking about they've got these great pieces. He's gone into teams that have been in a far worse position and had to magic something out of nothing. Even what Ron Hextall did with the Philadelphia Flyers many years. And look I think at his legacy, is... though. Look at look at Ron Hextall's legacy. Some people are saying, well, why, why would we want the sacked, you know, Philadelphia Flyers guy? But look at the team that he built and look at how they're performing now. They're one of the mm-hmm. highest achieving teams in that league. And arguably, as I think was mentioned on a, you know, on Sportsnet, they were saying, you know, if he'd have just promoted Carter Hart a little bit earlier, he probably still would have a job in Philadelphia. That seems to be the kind of real sticking point for them. But he's he's obviously got that. And uh, yeah, I, 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 think, I think Brian Burke's answer to that question about, you know, are you going in there to go and trade Crosby now, you know, is is genius. Because basically his answer was, no, 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 we're basically going to hand it over to the team, see what they can do this year. And that will be our basis for our decision and of, of our planning for the next few years. So could you imagine being in that Pittsburgh room if you're one of those players who knows probably is going to be one of the first to be traded out to some team they don't want to go to? Suddenly, Crosby's thinking... Right. Well, I've got to prove to my new boss that actually we can still do it. You know, come on, lads, let's let's push together, because, you know, if we don't do it this year with the games that we've got remaining, then it's going to be blowing it all up time. And even if it's not just that thought process and that inspiration that changed the narrative entirely from will he blow it up? Will he not blow it up to, well, he's given them a year. Let's see what they can do. Yeah, see. I think the other thing that also came out this week, um, and it comes up again and again. Also, on the side note, I, I also wonder how many more books did Brian Burke sell this week? Because his book came out before Christmas. I bet everyone was like, who is Brian Burke in America? And then his book sales just went... Um, but the thing that he's always, always moaned about is the draft lottery format. And Pierre Lebrun, a top athletic writer, um, wrote an article this week and he had highlighted that there are potential changes for the upcoming draft lottery, uh, whenever that will be later this year. And there was one idea that popped up more than others. And it talks exactly what Brian Burke has been moaning and moaning and moaning about on Sportsnet for the last year. Um, you know, improving the odds of winning the lottery for the bottom ranked teams. Also, any team drafting in the top three one year can't do so again the following year or some version of that. So it limits repeat customers. I guess they're looking at Edmonton Oilers, perhaps. Mm. Um, or the Rangers. As one GM put it, he's very much open to improving the draft lottery to protect the teams that are rebuilding without rewarding teams for purposefully tanking. Um, the lowest place team should have a better chance at the top picks, but he also doesn't believe that they should be able to sit on those top spots year after year. So that's an interesting one to kind of just see what happens. I guess the GMs uh, and the GM meetings have got far bigger things to work out, like how the heck are they kind of keep generating revenue? Another article I read this week was talking about the these little things that they've done with like spot ads on people's helmets I think they were talking about Stephen Stamkos has got a helmet ad, for instance. Um, they're small and, you know, like where the empty stadiums, they kind of cover them up with names of sponsors because they're going to be on primetime TV. Uh, they need to do more of that because they need to need to really think about some alternate um, income generation if it looks like for most of the GMs, fans won't be coming back to bring that revenue to them. Um, yeah. So, I mean... Well, wow, it's all it's all about the GMs in the last couple of weeks. Fantastic! It is. And one one thing I don't know if you saw the uh, the kind of Sportsnet tribute to Brian Burke. One final thing on him. Um, I it was very interesting because he's a very divisive character in terms of his on air persona and how he is. Actually, I don't think it's an on air persona. I think that's just how he is. But um, he's a very divisive character, and, and some people don't like him. However, I thought it was very interesting how. Um, how how big a tribute Sportsnet did to him, but also how how kind of heartwarming and, and seemingly just what a great colleague he was um, to those other guys at Sportsnet, and quite um, quite really nice tributes to to a colleague who's only who's not actually been there that long, 
um, and the panel did this long thing on Sportsnet about him and, and talked about him. Um, and he interestingly said in the interview on 31 Thoughts, he said, um, it was Jeff Merrick said, that uh, Brian Burke had once said that he would only leave Sportsnet for if two teams asked him to, uh, to sign up for him and uh, approached him. He never told Merrick what two teams they were, but Jeff Merrick asked, can we see, you know, are Pittsburgh one of them? And Brian Burke said, well, I can't possibly tell you, but yeah, I left. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's like, and he's had other offers in the past and this was obviously, you know, a, a dream and you think, he was talking about how it's kind of really given him a, a, a new lease of life and how it's, a, it's just a really exciting thing. And you think, isn't that great that somebody, you know, at his point in his career has been given this opportunity to, to make a bit of a U-turn and just go for it. And, you know, I kind of, I don't know, I've, I've grown to really kind of like him as, a, as that on-air personality, even if I disagree with some of the things he says. And, you know, you kind of, uh, I would, I wouldn't hate to see the Pittsburgh Penguins have one last cup as long as it was nothing to do with the Leafs and well clear of that. But um, it would be, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate to see them get one more cup in this era of hockey. I think you made a really interesting point that I had never really thought about before. We can sit here in the UK and talk about these teams in a, in a way, this kind of whole sport is part fantasy in our heads we're not going to the stadiums. We're not mixing with the players. These are just yeah. people that we watch on telly. It's the same that we watch a Netflix box set. You know, it's part yeah. fantasy. <laughs> They're not real people in our heads, are they? It's Never kind of quite bizarre. Yeah, we're just talking about things after they happen. We cannot influence the game in any way. I think then you kind of take it to the next level when you're a broadcaster who follows a particular team, you know, like the Chris Johnstons, um, I don't know, you know who I mean, um, Sean Shapiro. When I followed um, an ice hockey team before and I was reporting for them, it's a really weird scenario because there are times you want to write a story where the guy who's the coach or the GM, they don't want you to put that story out but you know you have to. It's your job to write the story and say those things and be the one to ask those questions. And that's really difficult. And then I suppose there's the other thing where when you're working inside the team, in the inner circle, and you can impact what's actually going on in the game. And and I hadn't really thought about those different kind of... It's almost like social distancing, isn't it, really? Are you actually up there snogging them are you kind of just touching their arm or are you like a, a good six, six, seven foot away from it, from the actual action? Like how much can you actually impact <laughs> this person? And uh, yeah. I think him kind of talking about, it's been nice being a broadcaster to talk about it all, but I want to get in there and make a difference and make things happen. Um, I, I thought that was very honest and it gave me a different outlook in the different characters. But also I think, you know, uh, sorry if you're a fan of American teams because we're talking about Sportsnet a lot. I know there are lots of different NBC and all these different providers. And I guess it's the same for the American broadcasters, but it's very interesting which players naturally fall into the broadcast world and which don't. Um, there's, there's one particular guy, like you've got Anthony Stewart, um, who's on Sportsnet, who's been a big part of the Hockey Night in Canada panel and Hockey Central panel. Um, Kevin, Kevin right and he's just gone from like who you know player to like absolute there Cassie we were talking about the other day and but then they've also dropped a lot of people in recent years Mm -hmm. who had to go indie Um, and I do wonder like you know what that is kind of like and it's it's a common thing isn't it with all sports um, players whether they kind of go into coaching behind the scenes management or they go broadcasting or they go and do something completely different. Um, yeah. I'm really fascinated. I actually did a documentary about life after sport with people from different kind of sports um, mm. a few years ago. And it was really interesting to see whether people crumbled, whether they got a chance to choose to leave the career or it kind of injury meant that it ended sooner for them than they wanted to, whether they were quite aggrieved by that. And then when you're a broadcaster, actually, if your heart has been invested in some of these teams that you're covering and talking about, or your friends are part of them, or someone you hold a grudge for, as a broadcaster, you know, you need to be 
fairly, I don't know, impartial or look at it through a different set of eyes. So Brian Burke, Brian Burke described it or Elliot Friedman talked about a conversation he had with Brian Burke about it. And he, he described it as you could tell that Brian Burke missed the kind of the highs and lows of winning and losing and rooting for a team and getting to the end of the night and, know, uh, and that feeling of elation that your team has won or that feeling of disappointment your team has lost and then knowing that you've got to do something about it and I think we can all you know I, I certainly can relate to that in a you know move in my career that I made once and it you know it takes you away from kind of um, being there making something or being part of a you know it was a, a program or a live radio program in my scenario and being part of something that at the end of it you can feel like proud or disappointed or there was kind of emotions in there and then you move to something that's a, a little bit more removed from that and it's difficult because you no longer have you can't root for that you know you don't get that our oh, great show moment which is you know a huge thing and if you're someone like Brian Burke who's a you know I don't think he's a very good player by his own admission but he was a player and then you know he's done all those different jobs in the league and um, absolutely fascinating and you talked you joked about his book but I have thought long and hard about you know once I finally get to the end of this flipping Barack Obama book which is taking about 20 years to read I will probably want to read his book because um, he sounds like a fascinating guy anyway mm-hmm. Brian Burke appreciation society over he's gone he's now Pittsburgh hockey ops guy <laughs> let's just mention a couple of other things did you see talking about love man crush of the week the yeah. Valentine's Day cards that the NHL oh. teams posted. I mean, Anything these like were like next level cheese. I mean, <laughs> like Zucker up Buttercup. I'm reading one here. I choo choo choose you from Wayne Simmons. Roses are red, violets are blue. NHL teams really do love you. I mean, like the cheese factor on these. Will you be my sweetheart? You're very special to me. There was one good one I heard, and I can't remember what it was, but I do remember the player's name. They did a pun on it. It was Radko Gudis. I remember thinking that was good. I bet it's probably not on your list. But, um, but yeah, if you received a Toronto Maple Leafs Valentine's Day team card from George, would you have been happy? Uh, I Yeah, I'd have thought she's done something wrong and is trying to apologise for something if, if she's got... To... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's very little Toronto Maple Leaf gift giving that goes on. It's uh, yeah, she she quite rightly keeps a distance from all of that. I think she knows, the, she knows not to encourage me anymore. One of the things um, I have been doing at the moment uh, is is looking at wedding plans, and ah. I've managed to convince my partner that we're going to have a blue and white theme, from the flowers to the shawl. Like, oh, I mean, honestly, but the other thing that the, you, you will be amazed by this, right? Joe Bowen is the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm so sorry. I brought it back to the Leafs. I'm so sorry. Anyway, he is the voice oh of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh my God, what are you going to say? He actually does these things where you can write a message. No. Pay 30, $30. That's all it is. And That's he nothing. will re- record it for you and send it back. And some of the money goes to a charity, um, but it could be anything like you're announcing you're pregnant or that. You're Why don't we get married. him to voice the podcast? Right. There Scrap that music at the beginning. We can just get him to announce it. Oh my god, you're actually going to have Joe Bowen speak at your wedding. Well, I was thinking, how do I want to announce to people that we've uh, we're getting married or whatever? And I thought. Why not get Joe Bowen to do it? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? So anyway, like I'm none, looking into it. None of your friends would get it. No. And like, there would be like one or two of us who'd go absolutely nuts over it. <laughs> exactly. I'd I'm lose looking, my S. It's, it's on the if we must uh, pile. There are, there are a series of piles. There are more urgent things that I wish to negotiate over Matt about than that. But part of me is like, it's only 30 quid. I can totally slip that into the wedding budget and he won't know. Not even 30 quid, $30. That's nothing yeah. in weddings. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man, that is, I'll be, oh, oh so jealous. I'm jealous <laughs> at the thought of it because I'm imagining that conversation if I tried that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right, other things to talk about. Other yeah. stupid things to talk about. Oh, Brad, Brad Marchand and oh, um, yeah. and Sabanajan. Right, this has been going on for years and years and years. <laughs> yeah. The two of them do this little ditty when they go and do the warm up, 
and they always say they do like it's like played chicken isn't it really whoever leaves yeah. the ice first loses so they do a standoff and they stare each other down um and yeah normally it's just a few minutes but the other week it went on for 10 minutes uh eventually brad marchand gave up uh so savannah jed won for new york rangers i don't actually know what the score was afterwards though did you, did you see why do you see why he, he didn't give up they were at a stalemate and they played rock paper scissors oh Genuinely, like, so they're at this standoff and they're like having trainers coming out and giving them bottles of water and checking they're all right and all this kind of stuff. And like the Zamboni drivers are like, come on, guys, like, I've got a job to do and all this kind of stuff. And they're just standing at the side of the ice rink. Zabanjal is basically staring at Marshan because, hey, you wouldn't trust him, would you? Like, you know, maybe he might come on and lick your ear, which, you know, in COVID times, hopefully he's not even doing that. But, and then like Marshan's looking at him all innocently, not looking at him. Are they him. friends? Are they actually Oh, friends? it's probably a thing. I don't know. Who knows? But, but yeah, they Where genuinely did from? rock, paper, scissors know. at the end. And Zabanajad won. So Marshan had to step off first. <laughs> They've definitely done the rock, paper, scissors thing before. Um, but Yeah, um, what else are you going to do from like that distance away? <laughs> Like, no, I know they've done that before, but I would love to know if anybody knows the origin of where this started and why. Please let us know <laughs> at NHL fans from afar on Twitter. Yeah, the reason is boys never really grow up. That is why they never really grow up. They pretend they get beards, they get mortgages and houses and wives and all this kind of stuff. But really, they're still kids. And that is how they get their kicks. It's unbelievable. <laughs> On another note, uh, talking about weird things, talk about Las Vegas Golden Knights Golden Helmets. Like, yeah. I mean, we've put the image of it for this week's episode. If you're listening on Anchor or Spotify, you'll be able to see that. Um, what the hell? Uh, like, they're like shiny gold helmets. So they're not the kind of matte gold that I've seen them use before, but they're like shiny, shiny, bright gold helmets. And I will say one thing about Vegas. Two things about Vegas. First thing about Vegas, you cannot question their success as a new franchise and the fact that they've managed to do so much and make such a big impression on the ice is remarkable. So for all the things I'm about to say about the gimmicks, they are an incredible hockey team given from where they started and they're such a new franchise. However, the second thing is... They have just absolutely thrown the kind of NHL rulebook as far out the window as you can, as you recently can. And they just do things like wear these ridiculous gold helmets. They've now started wearing these kind of like white gloves or kind of different colored gloves. We sound such a like nothing thing, but in the NHL, that's a big deal. And um, they're just such a fascinating franchise because they, they I guess, coming in, they're fresh as perspective is they've got none of the history they've got none of the traditions they've got none of the kind of stuff that kind of drags a lot of teams down from doing these different things and they just go for it and i kind of remember their twitter account in their first year like there was talk of the guy who got the who ran the twitter account getting a ring you know if they won the stanley cup like they are just such a fascinating franchise and they are doing something so out there it will be fascinating as well to see whether Seattle coming in this year will be able to kind of like up them and do a bit of one-upmanship. I think that there might be a bit of rivalry between those two quite early on. But these gold helmets, I mean, what did you think of them? Like, I mean, I'm not going to go out there and buy, buy one. one. Um, <laughs> hey, but walk hey, down the aisle with it, eh? Well, yeah. I used to have a fluorescent green teenage ninja to mutant turtle roller skates uh but okay. i was eight you know yeah, see. um yeah. the thing is they would be a nightmare to keep shiny because you don't want like finger marks and i don't know you don't want True. you need it to be shiny you'd have to keep polishing it in between the that's periods what those, that's what those guys are behind the uh, behind them on the bench uh, no i'm not can't sharpen your skates but i'm gonna polish just keep polishing yeah, like they need any more to do. But you know what? I mean, I like mixing it up. You often see with with footballers, you know, the guys who wear different, like, coloured shoes, like maybe yeah. pink or something. That's not necessarily part of the uniform in football, is it? It's more about the shirt, uh, the, the yeah, the jersey and 
Uh, no, they're not called jerseys, are they? What are they called? T-shirts, shirts. Shirts. Shirts, yeah. Shirts, shirts, shirts. and shorts, right? Yeah. yeah. So I wonder what the rule book actually is because the NHL has changed so many aspects about uniform, if that's the right word, um, for players. Like goalies' pants have been slimlined in the recent years because goalies are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They actually changed the goalies' pants across like most of the most of the world um because more and more goalies were getting to be like six foot four six foot five and the padding was getting thicker and thicker because they needed more and more protection because the players are getting faster and faster and the skates were getting sharper and sharper um that they then eventually they were like hang on this is stupid the, the goal post isn't getting bigger so we need to slimline the yeah nobody was equipment. scoring goals basically <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it has been really interesting this year for them to kind of throw that in with the golden helmet. And then we're seeing, as as you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, like the sponsors on the shirts and on the helmets. Like it's, mm. yeah, it, there's, but then I'm always curious about what is there, how is there room for individuality? And there well, isn't that much in this sport. It's more about safety. And I get that. Um, the most you kind of notice is when someone's got a cage you know, because they're quite young yeah. and they have to wear yeah. a cage. Um, and you're like, whoa, that's someone who's different. But it's very much, I guess it kind of promotes the team element rather than the individual yeah. element. You see, they have the players have a lot more fun, don't they, when they're turning up to the to the arenas and you see them yeah. walking in, you know, in the, the, the kind of the broadcasters kind of show some shots of them walking in and you see them all wearing their weird hats or people like P.K. Subban with his big fur coat. Uh, and know. they've obviously been told they've got to wear a suit, but then they've gone like, right, well, you told me a suit and I'm going to show you a suit. And yeah, you're right. They come in with like, these hats and scars and all this kind of and, stuff. And, you know, Austin Matthews turns up with a turtleneck. Yeah. That's a, that's a cool thing. And But you think with those golden helmets, like you think surely if you're a Vegas fan, you love it as a bit of a gimmick. You love it as a bit of something. People are talking about your team. And then every other fan in the league looks at them and goes, oh, that just looks awful. And that's the way that it should be. Like, that is exactly what they're about. And I, I don't know. I quite like it. Although I'm, I wouldn't fancy if Toronto... I'm just uh, Googling, can I buy a Vegas golden helmet? Uh, golden Knight got... <laughs> yeah. Can't can't work out because it, you could imagine like all the kids would be like, I really want a Vegas Golden Knight helmet. There's no, a sentence you never thought you'd ever say. No, they're actually like even Google's going. Hmm? What? Some of the signed ones. I mean, a Mark Stone signed helmet, hundred and twenty dollars. Is that it? Hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah, signed though. That's only four Joe Bowen announcements. <laughs> I don't know which I want more. I would want Joe Bowen to say four things to me or buy a Mark Stone signed. <laughs> Mark oh, Andrew Fl- Flurry, $150. Robin Leonard is $200. So oh, don't, let, don't let Flurry's agent know that. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Hey, it's joke. a joke for yeah. your Vegas fans. They go see, I'm not just a Leafs fan. right but let's come back to Canada okay so um I've been educating Matt about the weird ways of the NHL and it's it's actually been quite nice because I think now we've been this is our third season of doing this podcast Mm -hmm. and we're getting a bit better at knowing (laughs) (laughs) I mean we can't say half the names but yeah. we have fun doing it, right? And you thought Elvis Mazlickens played for the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. My <it> was. God. <laughs> right. But you forget sometimes, like I've been watching hockey for well well over ten years and I started up as a bedroom hockey fan and I was constantly Googling and you listen to podcasts and you're watching YouTube and you're watching documentaries and you're reading books and it takes a long time to build up the knowledge. And I was going back with Matt to have like real basic conversations of like what a line is, how many players are on, you know, what power play is, the special teams, what does that mean? And then he started like asking me questions like, well, what, what, what is a Canuck? Like Vancouver Canucks, that's not an animal, is it? So what is it? What's a Canuck? And I was like, I actually don't know the answer to that. 
So we had to Google, and I did not know that a Canuck is a slang term for a Canadian. Yeah, yes, indeed. Right? Habs. Why Why are the Montreal Canadiens nicknamed oh, for the Habs? Why couldn't you ask me the Canucks one? I knew the Canucks one. I don't know why the Habs one. The Habs. So this goes back like long, 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 long time in their history because they're obviously like one of the original six, yeah? yeah? They were playing as a team called Montreal Canadiens before the league even existed. Yeah. And um, so Habs is short for Le Habitant or The Habitants, if you want to say in a proper English accent. Uh, the Habitants. The Habitants. The <laughs> Habitants. In, in a northern Yorkshire yeah, accent. I don't know why I was going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going with Yorkshire accent if I have to try and sound like butchering English or other languages. But anyway, sorry, Yorkshire. Well, speaking of butchering, um, a Habitant is a settler or descendant of a uh, settler of French origin working as a farmer in Canada. Um, and actually, the nickname comes because it was a mistake made by Tex Rickard, former owner of Madison Square Garden in New York. In a wow. 1924 interview, he apparently told a reporter that the H in the Canadian's logo stood for habitants. However, this is not true. Regardless, the nickname caught on. I have to say, before I even saw this, I didn't even notice there was an H in the mm. logo. I just yeah. used to see the C. And apparently uh, the H in the logo has always stood for and continues to stand for hockey, not Habs. <laughs> of course. Of course it's hockey. So some some random rich dude in New York wow. basically got asked a question in the press interview, blacked it, and then it stuck, and that's why Montreal Canadians are but called the Canadian the French Habs. language. Not hockey. Ah, I well, I tell you what, all my family, all my hockey sporting family, are all Habs fans. So I am going to ask them that very question when I can meet up with them again in. 2024 or whatever it is and uh, I will ask them that question because that's fascinating I had no idea yeah no. there's so much for us to learn I mean from the you know the different affiliations from the mascots who hasn't got a mascot why haven't they got a mascot where did they get the name from who their owners are whether they're former players whether they're rich dudes who just fancied having a bit of a plaything for passion I mean, there's so many levels to learn about this sport. It is, mm. it makes me excited. I'm like, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, and it is, it's such a, it's one of the things I love so much about doing this podcast when we get people on from teams, particularly from teams I don't know much about. I remember chatting to, first time we had James on, I remember chatting to him about, you know, the Coyotes and getting a much better understanding of where they were at and, um, you know, trying to way back right at the beginning, trying to Oilers fans and all of these kind of different people who have the same kind of level of geekery and fandom about their team as we do about the Leafs. And it's so interesting to hear that. And obviously Dallas has been a team that I now know far more about because of talking to Matt a lot um, through this podcast. And um, yeah, it's really interesting. So I was going to try and um, think of some fans I want to hear from. And I, it, it pains me to say this, but I would quite like to hear from um, a Boston fan or even our Boston fan who we've had on before. Ross. Only because I kind of thought that Boston weren't going to have a good year this year just because I had a bit of feeling with Chara leaving and all this and they had some injuries and Pasternak was injured and stuff. But they've been flying, like absolutely flying and doing it a bit just business-like. Um, so it'd be quite interesting to hear them. I'd be, I'd be quite interested to hear from Bruins fans as to whether they're feeling as confident as their league position holds. But if you're a, if you're a fan of an NHL team um, and you're over here in the UK or you're in Europe or you're wherever you are, um, then do get in contact with us. You can uh, tweet us at NHL fans from afar. And even if it's just to not necessarily come on the podcast, if you don't want to, but just to get involved in some of the the hockey stuff and some chat about your team is um, it's great to read and it's um, it's fun to follow along. So let's just round up, you know, the outdoor game Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. You know, you've got Colorado Avalanche, Vegas Golden Knights. Who are you backing out of those two? I think, I don't know, I'll be watching and Kadri will be on the ice so I'll feel a little bit like I'll miss good old Naz so I might be rooting for him but do really like Vegas and I've got a lot of Vegas team in my fantasy league. Uh, so and I'm playing Matt this week, which is uh, means I'm going to lose. 
but uh, it does mean that I'm going to try and fight like hell to beat him, to be the first person to ever beat Matt in our fantasy league because he's never lost a game week yet in like a year and a half of doing this stupid game. <laughs> um, so I am going to be rooting for probably Vegas because of my fantasy hockey team, but I will want it to be 5-4 and uh, Naz to score a hat-trick. So Boston Bruins and Philadelphia Flyers, I'm guessing you're not going to support Boston. Go Flyers, go. <laughs> I would what say about you? Av- Avalanche for me. I- I'm really curious. I enjoy watching them. I, I think if yeah. they really keep stacking things up like they do, they're-, they're in this contender. They were at this kind of contender level this time last year too. And I yeah, just yeah. really want them to get going. I just really want to see them emerge. Is McKinnon yeah. fit again now? I think he's he was close to coming back, and you kind of want all those players to play at the weekend. And I want Philadelphia be... Flyers to be well. I mean, I'm really curious to know what happens if Philadelphia Flyers can't. Most of the players can't play because of COVID protocol. What does that mean? Do they whisk another team in? I think you suggested that on a message. It'd be really, really interesting. But I mean, regardless, it's we've all got our own teams that we're all following, but. Saturday and Sunday, you know, let us know on, on Twitter which team are you backing um, for the outdoor games. And hopefully we can all have a bit of fun on Twitter and, yeah. and connect with each other, right, as we're all watching these. Uh, sorry yeah. if you're a, a Boston Bruins um, fan. You know, you're going to get given a lot of stick this weekend. We're all I'm hoping sure you have a miserable day. You can handle it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Flies do return to practice after a week away, so they're going to host the Rangers on Thursday. So we'll get an idea of what kind of Flyers team is going to be out there um, at the weekend because they have got that game against the Rangers, which currently, as things stand, is due to go ahead. Oh, good, good, good. Well, it's been a it's been a busy couple of weeks in the NHL, and it looks like it's going to be a busy more couple of weeks. Um, it's been great. It's been brilliant. We've talked about all kinds of things on this podcast, haven't we? Love Leafs, and I need another L, but I can't do that. Go on. I'm, I don't go know on. Why? Laughing, yeah. No, we didn't talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. But uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, Cue the music. And um, yeah, let's see. Obviously, you're not wearing a lot of Leafs uh, merchandise. That's what I was disappointed. You seemed to imply last week that the more the Leafs win, the more merch you wear. But now you've just completely removed all the merch because they lost two games. Yeah, because they lost to the Habs. They lost to Ottawa last night. So the only thing leaves in this room is a freaking hat that I threw across the room the other day. (laughs) So actually, yeah, damn right that's why I'm wearing that much. If they go go on a tear and beat Ottawa for the rest of the week and then the Habs on Saturday, next week I'm going to look like a super fan. (laughs) He's going to look better than Edge or Steve Dangle. Let's find out next week. How much merch Jolon's wearing of Toronto Maple Leafs. Have a great week. Bye.